You're listening to a Sin podcast. You can listen to this show live by tuning your radio to 90.7 or online at sin.org.au. Due to some confusing, boring legal stuff, Sin can't podcast any of the knee-slapping tracks that are played on air. To dance along with us in the studio, you'll need to listen live. Tune your radio dial to 90.7 or stream it online at sin.org.au. Kids should go to school. That's what we're committed to. I haven't flip-flopped. I said no originally, then I said yes, then I have said no and I've stuck to it. I didn't need to do this. I've already done a lot of war for the election. The English fought a civil war over this over this matter. Don't deal with the nuance of the Canberra bubble. I don't know what to do with it. We have so much money. What we want is more learning in schools and less activism in schools. Issues that perhaps may be controversial today, but 30 years from now, your children, your grandchildren are going to be thankful that you stood up for what it was right. Represent. 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 You're listening to Represent. We at Represent would like to acknowledge and pay our respects to the traditional owners of the land on which Sin operates the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. Sin Media respectfully acknowledges their ancestors and elders, past, present and emerging. We would also like to acknowledge the traditional custodians and their ancestors of the lands and waters across Australia where our content reaches. Sovereignty has never been ceded. It always was and always will be Aboriginal land. You are back here on Sin with Mimi, Bridie and George. Coming up this week, we have some fantastic segments, including a big interview lined up with the Animals Justice Party leader, Meg Watkins. And Mimi's going to be discussing a little bit about petrol prices and everything that's relating to that recently. Mimi? Yeah, it's going to be a crazy episode. George, you went to meet up. George wasn't here last week, in case you didn't notice. We didn't just ostracize him because it was International <laughs> Women's Day. That's not what happened. It's kind of how it felt. It felt like it was counter-sexism, to be honest. It could have been. It could have been. Yeah. He actually took a holiday, though, and he went to Meetung. Yeah, it was a pretty nice week away. Just the a bit of fishing. Caught my first fish ever, which was pretty cool. Wow. Um, I'm, not good, I'm not good with live animals, so I don't know. It was a big, big... A big win for George and his life journey, I guess. <laughs> if that's what you want to call it. What do you mean you're not good with live animals? What does I that don't mean? Know. I don't like the idea of, like, I mean, this is very relevant to the fact that we've got an animal justice party <laughs> coming in. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm just not good with, like, killing animals. I don't know. <laughs> like, I'll eat it, but I won't. I don't know. It's just oh, George, you have such a high moral standard. I know. It's And then I come to represent, and it's just like, Mimi, she's just, I don't know just brings it down a notch (laughs) (laughs) well the jaw the george the drive to me tongue as george has known he's done it twice now there and back is quite long it is very long hey bridie so for those listening bridie just joined us in the studio (laughs) she's late as always but she had priorities to see Mimi's nails. Yeah, but I yeah. got these beautiful new nails. That guys. no one can see except for people. Yeah. In the studio. yeah. Anyway, so petrol prices. Yeah, George drove to Meetung. It would have cost you a lot of money, hey? I think it cost me about 110 bucks all up. 
um, which is basically like a one way, like that's mo- that's like almost double the price of a one way trip to Sydney on planes. So that just goes to show how <laughs> non profitable it is to drive right now. For sure, for sure. What did you say the price of petrol was? Um, I think I filled up on the way there. It was like one ninety five. I think I got it for, and then on the way back. It went up to like two ten or something, and in in rural towns as well, especially they just inflate the prices as much as they want to. Um, so there was no, there was no stoppage of hurting George's bank account over the weekend. Yeah, there was no sympathy for George, no, no. remorse. Not often is it. Putin said no. Putin said no. Big oligarch said no too. <laughs> okay, well, guys, we'll come back after a song, and we will be discussing petrol more, which I know kind of sounds. A bit boring, like what could you talk about petrol? But I promise I have a lot to say about <laughs> petrol. <laughs> so that was 009 Sour Fruit. What an awesome song, guys. Right? I loved it. I loved it too. So, George mentioned earlier that we had a pretty cool interview lined up, Meg from the Animal Justice Party. But before we interview her, we wanted to just kind of like talk about why we're interviewing her like what's george is going to interview her so george tell us what we should be prepared for well it's more or less like as we're coming up to the next election a lot of our listeners probably don't know a lot about the minor parties in australia and we kind of just you know we're just strengthening our democracy here by interviewing all these different parties getting all these different opinions we're just really trying to get people to know the people the parties and the people who represent their needs the most. Um, so in the coming weeks, we'll be interviewing a few different people from a few different parties. And um, yeah, just the Animal Justice Party will kind of kick it off because I know personally, um, I'm not too aware of other... Or when, I, when I first voted, um, when I was 18, I didn't really know too much about the minor parties and how it could affect our um, political sphere. But maybe Bridie, she's... Only 17. Yeah, I'm looking at Brian. <laughs> yeah, you're both looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> this was based around you. Oh, wow. I'm so on it. It's a lot of pressure. Yeah. No, um, people, there's definitely not an awareness of minor parties, except for the Greens, but, you know, you could call them a major party, I think. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, before I looked Meg Watkins up for the Animal Justice Party specifically, I was like, I just kind of went on face value of, like, you could probably advocate for animals. Yeah, I was like, oh my god, they love animals. Right? I bet they're all vegans. Well, yeah, that's that's part of their policies, I guess. But, like, I think um, some of the things we'll touch on is how they differentiate from, say, the Greens and how they can kind of be their own individual party, not just, you know, just a different random progressive party um, in Australia. So, yeah, I think it's really important for us to have these people on. And, yeah, here it is. So today here I'm joined with Meg Watkins, um, member of the Animal Justice Party, joining us here on Sin Represent. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thanks, George. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to chat. A pleasure to have you on. We love having independent parties and minor parties. Um, it's really important for like all young people to be in and about all the things um, in our in our democratic society. So, um, yeah, just to start off, what's your, just to introduce yourself to the listeners, what kind of position do you have in politics and in the Animal Justice Party yourself? Yeah, so I'm currently running as the federal election candidate for Karangamite, which is the seat where I live in Wadawurrung country, Geelong and the Surf Coast, um, you know, reaching out into some rural areas as well. 
Um, uh, this is my first time running. So running in the federal election for the first one has been a little bit uh, overwhelming, but also very fun and I'm learning a lot. Um, and aside from that, I've, I've got a few other roles with the Animal Justice Party. So I'm actually the state secretary in Victoria. Um, I'm a delegate. I work on the elections team and I help to um, build the youth wing, which we call the Young Animal Justice Party um, about a year ago as well. So yeah, fairly yeah. heavily involved. Yeah, it sounds like you've got a lot on your plate there, but it's very admirable the amount of work you must have to do for that. But yeah, just um, going, go maybe going a little bit about your um, campaign for the federal election this year and kind of the policies that you plan to implement if you were successful or what you want to strive to implement. Yeah, so we are the Animal Justice Party. So we were established to bring a voice for animals to the parliament, essentially. Um, and the idea behind uh, creating a political party that, that focuses on animals is to highlight issues that otherwise, you know, aren't present in the parliament at all. So our vision is, a you know, a world where animals and people live in harmony with their planet altogether. So obviously that requires us to think just outside of animal issues. So um, the Animal Justice Party and all our candidates, including myself, are, you know, equally as passionate about human social justice issues and environmental issues as well. So our election policies are fairly broad, fairly um, wide ranging, I should say. Um, but the main ones that we're campaigning on for the federal election that I'm particularly passionate about are uh, banning live animal export. So um, unfortunately, this has been an issue we haven't really been able to do much on because we don't have anyone elected to the federal parliament. We don't have a senator elected at all in Australia. Um, so if we can get our first ever senator elected, we might actually be able to see some movement on this. And what we really want to see is for live export to be banned altogether. Uh, regulation just hasn't worked. I don't know if you know you might know much about live export, but basically, you know, all sorts of animals, cows, sheep, goats are loaded onto these what they call the death ships, which go overseas to you know other countries where they slaughter animals in horrific ways. Um, but the transport itself is is bad enough. It's you know unimaginably cruel. I've seen. I've seen animals on those ships suffering, you know, they boil alive in their own feces. It's, it's just horrific. So uh, that's our pretty much our number one priority coming into the federal election is just a complete ban to live animal export. Uh, aside from that, um, ending animal testing is also a really big one, which I think, again, a lot of mainstream people like animal export. I think a lot of people either think these things have already been banned or they're illegal or they want them to be. So unfortunately, the government's just not listening to us on those. Um, it's not listening to the mainstream population that wants these animal issues prioritised. So uh, yeah, animal experimentation and, you know, welfare steps in between until we can get that completely phased out would be things like mandatory rehoming of animals that are experimented on, uh, which Andy Medic, our MP in Victoria, is doing a lot of work on at the moment. Um, environmentally, climate change, obviously a huge one. Um, again, something I'm very particularly passionate about is, is making sure that uh, it's just, it's abysmal, the, the lack of movement that our government's had on climate change. They've had such a long time to be facing it and they've just completely fundamentally failed us, especially us young people. So I wanna see really bold action taken on that. Um, if I was elected, we want to see, uh, zero net zero emissions by 2035 um, which is 15 years before the current government's um, you know their proposal which is just simply not good enough um, at, at an absolute minimum like you know yeah. anything before that is, is 
is essential as well. Um, yeah. And just sorry and with that. Want... Sorry, sorry, sorry to interrupt you there quickly. <laughs> just with the, you just touched on the climate change and um, are obviously like the Paris, the Paris Climate Accord and the goals that we've got to set um, before we head into this um, future period of climate change. Um, basically, what was your kind of take on how the coalition respond or the current goal on, you know, emissions by 2050, how have you kind of responded to that and how does the Animal Justice Party respond to the current um, incentives put in place by the federal government? Hmm. Uh, me and the Animal Justice Party and I think pretty much every progressive person in Australia knows yeah. that what the government's proposing is nowhere near good enough. Yeah. Um, net zero by 2050 without actually addressing the root causes of climate change is it's just a, you know, it's just a political stunt. Um, I think they're a little bit late to the late to the mm. eight ball on realizing that this is a real problem. Um, so I guess something that might people might not have thought of before is something that we're trying to focus on in regards to climate change is you know the actual causes of, of where this has been driven from, which is land clearing for grazing for animals and animal agriculture. So we actually want to see uh, a ban on all land clearing, and we want to see farmers supported to transition to you know away from animal culture animal agriculture and into sustainable plant-based agriculture so you know there's a lot of work to be done but there's no point you know the government saying that they're gonna you know hit these targets or making these goals if they're not actually addressing what's driving climate change which you know a large part of that is actually animal agriculture yeah definitely i think um there's a lot of easier ways to like mitigate the causes of climate change rather than the response that they take, which is dealing with the effects of climate change, I guess, if that's one way of putting it. Um, but yeah, just to switch on to, I guess, a bit more lighter stuff, um, not that politics yeah. is alive. It's, it's definitely um, all these issues are very confronting to us. And especially as young people, we it take a lot of action towards mitigating the causes of climate change in the future. Um, but I'll just touch on just Australian politics in general. I know a lot of our listeners are probably new to the um, federal election scheme that a lot of people haven't voted before. Um, but just kind of your role as a young person um, being in such a, you know, in a, you know, in a pretty big part of our <laughs> democratic society right now. Um, how have you kind of found your, you know, your start of your political career um, so far being a young person? Mm, good question. Um <laughs> Look, I'm not going to lie. It's been pretty overwhelming. It's mm -hmm. been a lot. I have I have been thrown in the deep end in a lot of ways because, like I said, I've never done anything like this before. I've never ran in an election before. A lot of people start with a council or even a state election, um, but I've just, you know, put my hand out and I'm doing Got federal. So, <laughs> um, yeah, just, you know, bite the dust on that one, um, bite the bullet. Um, yeah, I'm very lucky that the Animal Justice Party is so progressive and inclusive that me, my age, hasn't hasn't been an issue whatsoever. In fact, it's, it's, I've only been encouraged and supported because of my age. Um, you know, we need to see a lot more young people having voices at the table and the party recognises that as well. So po politics is just one, you know, one cog in the system of, of where young people are being failed. Uh, so, I mean, it's great because I've been able to engage, I think so far, a lot of young people who otherwise weren't interested in politics at all um I never thought I was interested in politics either uh I not I don't even know you know I never really knew if I was cut out for it but I am because I'm passionate about making change and the way to do that is through 
the parliamentary system. That's 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 why I'm here. So um, all the other ways that people try and make change are equally as important. You know, grassroots grassroots work, out you know, outreach, other advocacy work. But you know, to make that really meaningful, long lasting change, it's got to be it's got to be done through legislation. It's got to be the law. Yep. So. Um, I guess that's what inspired me as a young person and what I hope inspires a lot of other young people. Yeah. Um, yeah. Does that answer yeah. your question? Yeah, no, very well. Thanks for going into depth with that. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's really um, young people are kind of, I feel like in the political scheme are kind of forgotten about a lot or not even forgotten, but just kind of dismissed um, in terms of, you know, how policies are made that are driven towards, you know, middle, middle-aged people, I think a bit more um, and young people kind of disregard a little bit, but um, just touching on like, to give um, the you know the young voters a chance to kind of understand where the animal justice party sits um, amongst our political arena in Australia, um, obviously it's a progressive party. Um, it's not the only progressive party, and as we know, like the Greens as well, they're very progressive. You probably have a lot of similar ideology as the Greens. What kind of differentiates um, the animal justice party to kind of like the the Greens or maybe even the Labor Party? Mm, that's a very good question and one that we you know we do get often because people people I think tend to think that while minor p- parties might be independent you know they always say oh you must be aligned with something or you must mm-hmm. you know there must be a party you're close to but the truth is we actually are an independent minor political party um, you know you might see some similarities between the Greens or you know the Reason Party that share similar values in a lot of ways but I guess the key focus, the key difference is that we're the only party dedicated to ending suffering for all animals. Other parties might have policies to help animals in some ways, but we're the only, we're the only party that, that wants to see a true end to cruelty for every single species of animal, you know, in all seasons, all states uh, across the board. So that's what makes us different. And I think I think also our climate policies do stand out too. Um, I know that there are some other parties with some great climate policies coming, you know, that are starting to come through. But again, on that point of not addressing the real causes of climate change, there's still no one doing that except us. So I think coming into a federal election, I know that that's going to be a deciding factor for a lot of people, especially young people. I would never vote for a party that wasn't, you know, completely prioritising the environmental catastrophe that we have going on around us so um, that's something that I'm really proud of the party for taking a really firm non-negotiable stance on and yeah um, I guess we are yeah like I said we're very progressive we do have a lot to say on social justice issues you know surrounding trans folk you know other lgbtqia plus rights first nations people women's rights all that sort of thing so um you know take or leave what you want to read from that about where we sit on the political spectrum um but our four core values which are kindness equality rationality and non-violence are what guide everything so if if something aligns with those values then it's going to align with us it's it's literally that simple so yeah. they're the values that we guide all our decisions by so you know voters can decide yeah. based on whether they whether they um resonate with those values or not i suppose yeah definitely thank, thank you so much for explaining that and probably gives people a bit more of an idea of what um differentiates certain parties and like obviously you're a minor party and it's not um 
you know, maybe don't have the stake as the Greens Party do or the Labour Party, but it's still very important to have this divide amongst politics to get everyone's needs represented in federally. Um, but yeah, apart from that, thank you so much for joining us today, Meg. Um, I've really enjoyed hearing the perspective of the Animal Justice Party and someone like yourself as a young person um, going for the campaigning federally. Um, it's really admirable and I wish you all the best for your campaign coming up. Thanks, George. It was so great to meet you. It's great to chat to like-minded people as well, especially <laughs> young people. So that was Meg Watkins with George. What did you, like, kind of go take us through that, George? Like, what was that all about? Yeah, well, it's just really interesting to hear her kind of, her position as a young person in politics especially was one of the key takeaways. Um, She went straight into the federal campaigning um, before she ever went to council or state you know campaigning so it's pretty interesting from that perspective and also her kind of opinion on animals rights and how they want to stop um you know just cruelty amongst animals and just also with climate change environmental aspects there was just a lot to dive into there and i think that um i certainly learned a little bit more about it and yeah i think it was a did you on twitter yet no, apparently she doesn't have Twitter, so oh. I know that was that's that was kind of surprising. Bit of a letdown. Refreshing. It's a bit, a bit refreshing. Fresh. Refreshing to not have a Twitter account. Yeah. Well, I think for someone in her in like, politics, politics and journalism, yeah. she might have a Twitter account. Isn't it kind of like that's a sin? Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's a bit like it's different bit from everyone else, you know. Yeah. So that's that's how she differentiates herself. I'm not just that. <laughs> she sticks up against the establishment. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not having yeah. to Peer pressure. Anti-peer yeah. pressure. I think she's just stinking around to it. But. So there you go, guys. If you want to talk to Mag, make sure to contact her on Facebook. Instagram. 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 Sorry. I know. She's not that old. She won't be, she's not going to be on Facebook. Um, so, yeah. You won't be catching any juicy tweets. Why do you look at me when you say, oh, she's not that old? I didn't. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> You're looking at Brighton and they're like, oh, Facebook, old people, George. <laughs> Wait, are we the same age? I think so. I'm 20. Oh, I'm 21. Oh, so, yeah. He's bloody old as. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Brady, you're not even allowed in this conversation. You're like you're still in high school. I can judge people who have Facebook. I mean, I have Facebook, but yeah. I have Facebook too. We actually all met each other first on Facebook. Like, that was the first thing we added of each other. Yeah. No, I added you on Instagram first. No, no, because we would have been able to had to text before then. Oh, true. I mean, I was all for talking on Twitter, but I guess no one else really wanted yeah. to go for that dive. Yeah, it's not quite the vibe. Lame. Tomato, tomato, tomato. Okay. I think we should take it to a new song, maybe. <laughs> Don't you think? <laughs> yeah, okay. So, we're going to talk about petrol now, and we're going to get into it real quick, smart, because apparently George has to start That's not true. You're just <laughs> pushing me out like you did last week. I am, I am. You so went to meet Basically, <laughs> you'd have to be... Yeah, let me let me say that. Okay, <laughs> so basically you'd have to be living under a rock to not have noticed that the petrol prices have increased. Some could say, some would say tenfold. Some would. Would some? Pretty I dangerous person to say that. I to know. say two bucks a litre. They were not... <laughs> tenfold. <laughs> that is, is a figure of speech. Oh, okay. Some would not say tenfold. Yeah, I don't... <laughs> they were not 20 cents a litre. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, so to cope with this, New Zealand has just cut its fuel excess by 
25 cents. Hang on, is it excise? Excise. I said, did I say excess? I meant excise. Sorry. <laughs> Fuel excise by 25 cents for three months in hope that by the time Russia and Ukraine work some stuff out, <laughs> work out their issues, <laughs> work out their issues, it'll hopefully be back to normal. And there's talks that Australia is considering doing the same. But Peter Martin in the ABC has written an article to tell us why we shouldn't do the same. And I thought it'd be very interesting to discuss it. So at the moment in Australia, 48 cents per litre of petrol is taxed. But because like petrol prices have increased, that means that now only 22% of the total price of petrol is taxed per litre because the price has gone up so much. So if Australia were to abolish the fuel excise, um, like New Zealand, it would actually only bring us back to the petrol price of five weeks ago. So, like, it kind of, like, wouldn't really make too much of a difference. So it could be argued that this is kind of pointless. And as I said, Peter Martin points out that there's better things to do. And one of these things is that instead of stopping the fuel excise like New Zealand, we should hold on to that money and give it, and instead of giving it back at the end of the tax year, we should write out a cheque and support people now. So that money that we, like, already have, that already, like, goes towards the tax excise, should be just hold back and we should give a cheque to people now who need it because in a year, when we get that money back in tax, the petrol prices might not be as high and it's kind of pointless, like, we need that money now. Um, obviously... It is low-income earners that have been hit hardest by the petrol prices um, as it's like going to be a higher percentage of their household budget. Um, they're also the ones who are probably driving to work, might not live in the city, have longer hours or live in regional, and it's like a long drive. Um, so the argument is that direct support needs to be given to low earners now and they should be given in cash rather than a subsidy so that recipients can spend it on petrol if they would like or they can spend it on other things that they need. Because... The reason against this petrol subsidy is because it goes disproportionately to high-income uh, high earners because they don't have a problem with spending money on petrol. To them, it doesn't really mean much. They're like, oh, well, like I have enough money to spend on it and I'll also get the subsidy, so who really cares? But low-income earners obviously do care and it does matter to them. So he kind of makes the whole point is that we should keep the petrol price high and instead do a direct compensation. So... My question to you guys is, do you agree with Peter Martin's idea or should we cut fuel excise like New Zealand? I think that it's like an interesting idea and like I think as a concept it's really good but it is affecting like everyone and not just low income earners, like middle income as well. Um, obviously it's not going to affect high income earners that much because it's just how they are <laughs> but I think that I still think that cutting the price like there needs to be something done to make the price lower immediately I don't think that the like giving the money back at the end of the tax year or writing it a check now like I don't think that's going to be as productive as just cutting the price now which would make it more accessible for a lot of people yeah I'd, I'd agree in the sense that like um, 
disposable income is like the lowest it's probably been in a long time especially coming out of covid for like australians um so yes maybe getting like a check as a short-term initiative um could be something that would be worth looking into but at the end of the day um you know petrol prices even if they are to what they were like five weeks ago as you said that was still really expensive it was still probably about 160 or so um which is still unsustainable for a lot of people i I remember hearing on the ABC there was some lady who she had to she was saying she was going to remortgage her house to get an electric um, vehicle of some sort, um, which just goes to show, on one part, this is going off topic a little bit, but um, petrol prices are high, yes, but like there was no there was no long term planning by like federal government or anything to combat um, rising petrol prices or you know emissions, um, which means that like in northern European countries and some of those scans and like Scandinavian countries, they've subsidized electric cars a lot, like to the extent where they're like only $20,000. If electric cars in Australia were like $20,000, there'd be a lot more of them on the road and there'd be a lot less people struggling um, to pay the petrol. That's just an idea of mine. It's not necessarily something that's bulletproof, but... um. No, that was my next question. I was oh, going to okay. ask if you thought that the high petrol prices will lead to opting in for electrical cars. Well, that's the thing. The federal government ideally would be subsidizing electric cars to make them you know say they bring them down by 50 percent you could probably find the cheapest one for about forty thousand in australia if they could incentivize it to be part of their climate action and heading towards those net zero um you know just subsidizing cars would be i think i'm taking up all of mimi's talking points right now literally my next question (laughs) was gonna be how would the government cope in losing their revenue from petrol so George should just be put in Parliament right now because yeah. exactly. Well, it's, it's he subsidised the electric cars. I mean, this man we'll just punk him up to it's the way full of answers. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's why I'm the main AP on the show. But <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a TikTok reference. But anyway, um, yeah, I think just it's simple solutions that could be put in place. Um, and it's the way of the future anyway. It's just I guess from one ex- perspective, maybe the manufacturing might be a little bit harder in Australia than it would be. In, um, in other countries, but you can always incentivize transnational corporations to manufacture in Australia as well. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm a bit of an electric driver connoisseur. I can tell. Yeah. I have one more question. Okay. I know you have limited time, but I have one more. Do you think the government would actually do this, though? I wouldn't think so until exactly. the coalition. That's yeah. That could be a you know something that the Labour Party would utilise to strengthen the campaign. I don't know if they will, but um, yeah, I think it's something that is definitely worth a shout. Bridie, do you have anything to add to that? Not really. I think I'd be surprised if the if the Labor um, campaign commits to subsidising electric cars. I think so too, but in an ideal world, you know. Yeah, Anthony course. Albanese, from my eyes, has not done too many radical left-wing things no. that the coalition says that he has. <laughs> Maybe done. this could be something radical that he could... It's not that radical. It's not that <laughs> radical. That's the, that's the problem. It isn't that radical, but it's almost the bare minimum. True. Anyway, thank you, George. You've we'll successfully you stolen week. my entire segment. <laughs> <laughs> and we're back, guys. I'm going to pass it over to Bridie because do you have two things to talk about? I have about two things. She has two things. She's been girl bussing all yeah. over the place. <laughs> okay. So first off, we're going to talk about the climate case that was brought by students in the federal court. Um, and the ruling came out, or the ruling was given, the judgment was given um, on this week. 
I have no idea what day it is right now, so I don't know what day it came out either. <laughs> but what happened was school students um, brought a class action against Susan Lee, the Environment Minister, in 2020, and they claimed that she had a duty of care to protect Australian children from the effects of climate change. So this was because she was approving an extension to the Vickery coal mine in New South Wales, and they were seeking an injunction to stop her from doing this because it's estimated to Oh, it's estimated to be going to add 100 million tonnes of carbon dioxide to the atmosphere, which obviously is a huge amount and would have drastic environmental consequences in a country that's already not doing very much to combat climate change. So this week, the decision was overturned on appeal to the full or by the full federal court. So the judges unanimously ruled, but for different reasons, that Susan Lee didn't have a duty of care to prevent further climate destruction. So the students are considering an appeal to high court or to the high court. And Anne Sharma was the lead plaintiff in the case, who said, Today's ruling leaves us devastated, but it will not deter us in our fight for climate justice. While today's judgment did not go our way, there is still much to celebrate. The court accepted that young people will bear the brunt of the impacts of the climate crisis. So Kieran Spender, who's an honorary lecturer at the ANU College of Law, wrote in The Guardian that he expects either Sharma or another case to soon reach the High Court, another case about climate, to soon reach the High Court, which he thinks will then basically be decisive in its judgment, whether that's for or against climate action. So just to recap a little bit about Australia, we were ranked last in a COP26 report last year about our response to climate change, and we're the world's second largest coal exporter. So, Mimi, will they appeal, and should they appeal? Um, I mean, I definitely think that they should, but... Um, Agreed. Whether that would go their way, I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, well, that leads into my next question, because one of the judges that... Um, that one of the reasons that one of the judges decided against the kids was that he didn't believe that the courts should be involved in policy decisions. So where does like the line between policy and between kind of common sense and like the common law, um, where does that stop? You know, does that yeah, make sense? that no, that does make sense. It's just something I've never really considered. Like that's an interesting yeah. question. Well. Wait, I just want to ask you a question. So they... I'm just trying to wrap my head around this. So they were trying to, like, um, go against this one specific lady. Yeah. And what was going to happen to that one specific lady if... So she would have been... If they'd won, um, she would have been prevented from um, extending this coal mine. Extending the lease. Like, what they're really looking for is for the courts to say that she does have a duty of care to right. the children of Australia. Would she, like, have lost her job or anything no, like that? No, she's or still just, an It's just this minister. one lease that they wanted to, like... Yeah, like, it's specifically about the lease, but even if I think they the courts ruled against the lease but said in their judgment that they there is a duty of care on her, like, that she holds a duty of care, then that would be considered a win, I think. Yeah. Because then that goes into the common law and forms a precedent, and then future cases have to follow that. I, I did mean, legal last year, so... I know, sorry. I was listening. I just, like, okay. am really bad at, like, trying all to good, hold all it all good. in together. Um, I kind of think that... I mean, I don't know what the answer is to the question about 
should they be involved in policy making? But I kind of feel like this isn't a policy decision. Yeah, like, I feel like that's it's like what I mean. an obvious like the ramification or the consequence of her losing would be she doesn't sign the lease. Like, I think that's kind of fair. Like, it's yeah. not saying anything about that she can't make new lease, like new policies, or that she can't do something new. Like, I think if it was saying something like, "Oh, you're never allowed to like, you know, make any more make policies any more with any more like coal ever. mines," I think that would be like a policy decision and then again I think that would kind of like that would be overstepping I think it'd be overstepping I think it'd be blurry because at that point when do you stop doing what you know the the ball keeps rolling but I kind of feel like this isn't about a policy decision like it is but it's it's not affecting it is in a very specific way yeah I think because it's so specific it shouldn't matter yeah um, and then, yeah, yeah, but, like, how can we have faith in the system when things like climate action keep getting, like, pushed down the agenda and prevented, like, actively prevented? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's actually kind of tricky. It is Because it's definitely, like, politics and politicians, they need to be held accountable. I'm not sure if it's, like, the court's job. Yeah. Like, we need to be, like, they need to be the ones. And I think... Yeah, Obviously the courts shouldn't still... be radical, but they also, I don't think that they should be so conservative, not in the politically conservative sense, but conservative in the sense that they don't want to make drastic changes mm. to the law. I definitely, like, think that they should have won their case, but I also, like, don't think that, like, at the same time that it's, like, the um, justice system's job. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I it so, needs yeah. to be the politicians who are, like, making the changes. Yeah, because then that sort of says to the public that they care. Yeah. But I guess when you, like, rule something yes or no in court, like, it also, rule, like, yeah. tells the public what's right and wrong. Yeah, so I guess in like, a very high-profile case like this. Yeah. It's kind of... Yeah, it's just a bit, bit left or right, you know? Yeah, it could be yeah. either way. But, yeah. Thanks, Bridie. That's, That's really okay. got my cogs turning in my yeah, brain. I'm like, going, what's going on? okay so um we're gonna come back next with another topic by bridie weight loss being a campaign issue yeah this sounds interesting it's a bit more specific than that it's that yeah the prime minister has started to criticize anthony albanese for losing weight which is such a weird thing we don't like a body shamer we don't like a body shamer exactly this man won't stop Literally, I'm so fed up, Scott Morrison. Right. You can anyway, come you out can hear with... more of this in yeah. our next segment. <laughs> so, Bridie, tell me about... It even feels wrong to say. Tell me about Anthony Albanese's weight loss. Yeah, <laughs> so the unofficial election campaign has really gotten going. It's really obvious now. So last year, I don't know if you remember, but Albo was in a car crash. And oh, he, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, well, it happened. <laughs> Before uh, I was on represent, I didn't really pay attention to that. Oh, God. <laughs> Who are you? Yeah, so he was in a car crash at the beginning of last year, I think. And basically he said that he had a bit of an epiphany and it's given mm. him a bit of a new lease on life. And right. So he's kind of turned this his whole thing around and he's lost a whole lot of weight and had a bit of a makeover. Looks very, like suave in his new suits and things didn't he do like a um photo shoot with like yeah with w- women, women's, women's weekly or women's, women's day? day one of them yeah that was quite funny i thought oh, that's kind of cute yeah it looks nice yeah i was like oh no what a nice outfit <laughs> um anyway yeah, <laughs> anyway 
out of anything that the Prime Minister could use to attack the leader of the opposition, um, he's chosen this weight loss and he's a bit of a makeover. And so the Morrison saying, oh, I'm still the same person as I was three years ago. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. And to be frank, I just don't understand who he's trying to aim at with this type of campaigning. Like, what is the underlying message in saying that Albo shouldn't have lost weight? Like... Should he not have had a car crash? Should he not have lost weight at all? Like, I just don't get it, and I don't like it at all. Neither do I. It's literally, I like, <laughs> we should probably just stop talking because yeah, like that's, we both hate it. it. I it's hate done. It. We're done. Like, I'd be happier if we just didn't talk about anyone's weight at all. And, like, yeah. That and doesn't affect anyone's ability to make good policy or no. lead. He also, like... <laughs> It also, like, the person that you are, like, I'm still the same person as before. The person that you are inside, like, has nothing to do with your outside appearance exactly. anyway, so. Yeah, like, we know you're the same because. Yeah, you, trust me, we know. You. We've and seen also, it. he is the same because, just because he's outside changed doesn't mean he's inside changed. Yeah. <laughs> like, isn't there another way for the PM to differentiate himself? the leader of the opposition like being in different parties and having different policies he's grasping at straws i think he knows i think he knows that he's like yeah it just seems so desperate and but like, i think he is desperate body. i think he's at the bottom of the barrel you think he is yeah like i reckon he's just i don't know if we can say the word pissed off he's made every person in every possible like like group like demographic that could vote for him mad yeah, but you know, like, people know his name. Like, if you said yeah. anything on Easy, no one knows who he is. I know. And, like... Even with his stylish <clears throat> outfits. I know. I mean, you well, see him in Women's Day and you'll know who he is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, no, I, like, read this... Okay, take this with, obviously, I... It's not being read off, like, an actual... My computer right now, so I could be half getting some of it wrong. But apparently there's a statistic where it's, like... Also, I know I say statistic statistic just ignorant there's a statistic that says like when you have a person in power who takes you through like a, like a traumatic event such as covid even yeah. if they handle it badly as long as they handle it and not everything turns to a pile of dog poo like they're more likely to get voted back in yeah i think that would definitely be right like jacinda i don't i yeah. mean apart from the fact that she's like a nice person and a good leader and stuff like, after Christchurch and after COVID and everything, like, there was just kind of no way she wouldn't get back mm. in the landslide. Yeah, so that's also kind of connecting off what you say. Like, even though he, Scott Morrison has made He's everyone mad, he, like, that. everyone does know who he is because he does yeah. such idiotic things. <laughs> yeah. So, like, even if know, everyone thinks Scotty from marketing tosser, actually like, seems to know a bit about marketing. Yeah. <laughs> Even if everyone thinks he's a tosser, at least they know who he is. Yeah. Which is kind of sad. Yeah. We kind of got a bit off topic there. <laughs> yeah. Well, we do try to bring it back. Anyway. I'll bring it back. I think that might be the end of the show. Unless there's perhaps a conspiracy theory that you've not My conspiracy thought about theory writing, be... or anything else you'd like to add. No. Let's see if I can make one up on the spot. Okay. Stop I kind of don't want to stop talking. Yeah. I read that. No, I didn't read it. But I saw some pictures of Scott Morrison 
a couple of years ago versus now. I mean, this was a while ago. Um, a couple of years ago versus now, and he's got more hair now than he did a couple of years, of years ago. But Josh Frydenberg has less hair now than he did a couple of years ago. So I think that they've taken Josh Frydenberg's hair and plunked it onto Scott Morrison's head. Mm. That's a conspiracy. <laughs> that would be a very new type of hair implants. Hair transplants. <laughs> Intra-party hair transplants. <laughs> wow, wow. Maybe we can do a, in, um, a, a intra-represent hair transplant. Oh, Baby I don't George want... should go blonde. Oh, uh, I, I, I would swap hair with you, but I wouldn't swap hair with George. <laughs> Sorry, George. <laughs> we don't want that mane. Exactly. Anyway, okay, we'll wrap up today's show. Thanks for tuning in to Represent here on Sam. We've been. Are you like dodging it, highlighting yeah. everything? <laughs> I'm like, anonymous pumpkin is messing with my screen. <laughs> pumpkin. That's what you're called, apparently. Oh, love. I didn't just make that up. See, can you see a little pumpkin? No, you're just the represent. Oh, you're anonymous mean. pumpkin. Because oh, you know that. how they always have those weird names. You've yeah. seen them, like anonymous lizard and stuff. Yeah. Okay, sorry guys, got distracted. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in re- to represent here on Sin. We've been your hosts, George, Mimi, and Bridie. And we also had a little guest, Meg. Yeah. <laughs> you can keep up to date and let us know what you thought of the show on our socials. So find us at Sin Represent on Twitter and Instagram. And I promise I'm making a TikTok. She was I, filming today. I was like, filming I today. Burn. Like, you can, I was filming today. Bridie's going to film me right now. I'm filming Telling her. you guys, I am making a TikTok. It will happen. Look out for it. So, and as always, if you want to hear this episode again or catch us on any of our old episodes, you can find our podcast on Omni at Represent and Spotify. And remember to... Wait, I wanted to... Stay Stay political. Stay political. Thanks, guys. Thanks, everyone. See you. Bye. Or not. (laughs) You've been listening to a Sin Media Podcast, where young people run the show.